Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. Welcome to We Say Things episode 99. Nine. My goodness. We're almost there. Mm. I'm so excited. Almost where? To triple digits, which is... True. You know, I, I genuinely didn't know what to expect when we started this podcast, but 100 episodes is pretty damn good. We can retire then, I think. We can be done. Uh, the fact that it coincides with a, I assume to be a ginormous patch, very excited about that. So it's going to be it's gonna be a doozy. But yeah, this means we're going to talk very little about in Bruges, which is fine. Well, we're probably going to talk a little about it anyway, because you probably haven't watched it, but we'll get to that to another time. Oh, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be a great twist to the, the whole... Uh, you gotta kill me. Anyway, uh, so before we get started, as per norm, my friends, thank you to our beautiful patrons in the In Bruges tier. I will go the first half this time around. Thank you to oh. an Arkosh gaming cultist here to beat Suns fan with my mediocre play style. Indeed, I am the author, and this seemed like a cheap way to promote my book. Looks like Sender was right. I can't um. remember the name any. Was it Dragon Knight something? You guys can look at past episodes. Uh, something. Dragon Knight. Damn, what was it? He'll remind us next week. Tell Kantar. Tell Kantar underscore Prime life size Suns fan body pillow ultra kawaii edition. Hmm. What yeah, the that's so really scary. Small. What the devil? We're on another level. When Cinderin was screaming, "Show me the money!" and Jerry Maguire almost collapsed because I was so into the performance. You need to scream it. Show me the money. That's how Tom wow. Cruise did it, actually. Was, he, oh, okay, good. He started out saying, show me the money, very softly. Okay. Chikar, Boyko Ostavka Mutro, the Mega Pope, Shannon Cannon's Dragon Man in cr- Canyons with Abandon Scotton Gotham TI in New Zealand. That was a tongue twister <laughs> right there. I don't know what the hell that was. All right, let me try that one for you. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon Cannon's Dragon Man in Canyons with Abandon. Scott and Gotham, TI in New Zealand. Thank you. Zan Xavier. so difficult for you to read? I, it's the capitalization really got me. Zan Xavier. Cannons. Dragon. Suns fan Pudge, Omega Lull, Nate Thicko, Zero One Hamscroats, misses Fellowship of the Ping and thinks they should come back as a return of the Ping. Bacon, no, not the Bacon, the other Bacon. And I challenge Patreon before me to a wrestling match. Winner gets to eat Sumail's ass. This guy's... He's got it. Whatever it is, he's yeah. got it. Who do you think is going to win? That guy or Bacon? That's true. That's a tough one. Go ahead. I- I'm cheering for Bacon. All right. Lick, Shark TM, Lion Spammer. Good hero right now, Shannon. Did you know it's been popularized because of uh, the major? Yeah, great. You love Lion. Novi Panda, Dop, eating Chosnick makes you happy and healthy. Underscore man. Spreading COVID-19 at an alarming rate by attending the weekly Ben Alliance meetings. Still, pitch black, wooden aftertaste, done talk, dyslexic lawyer, anonymous, 
Peter, the episode 100 hype is real, Niebling, and Ronnie Kiel. Thank you guys again. And if you want to be part of supporting the podcast through Patreon, you can check out patreon.com slash we say things, where we have different tiers where you get some perks as a thank you for your support of this potty. Yes, yes. very good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I let's get started. I practiced 10 minutes in front of the mirror this morning saying that perfectly. What do you think? You did great, Cinderin. Just kidding. It's almost like you're a anything. professional right. at everything you yeah. do. I show up. That's true. Okay. Uh, we have a couple NBA se- a couple NBA segments. Oh, God. One of them will we be, have of one course... one segment, hopefully. We, I will ask you a normal question, and then I will tell you a story about this uh, individual. Okay. So let, let's start out with the question. And this okay. is actually somewhat Dota-related because it's interesting to compare oh. and contrast. So, in Dota, there's positions one through five. Obviously, one being the carry, five being the hard support. In NBA basketball, there are five positions as well. One, two, three, four, five. This is very hard. I know you won't get that's right at all. What positions are they and what significance do they have on the game? I'll see how many I can name. Okay. There's point guard. Yeah. Yeah, name as many as you can, and then we can go through the positions. Center? Correct. Oh, fuck, man. I actually got two. I thought I was going to get one. (laughs) Uh, You can do it, Cinderin. You have it inside you. I googled it. Um, Don't google it. Take as much time as you need. We We have an hour and a half to kill. Um, All right, you give up. So the answer to that one is point guard, which is the play. Do you know what the positions mean when I say them? Do you want to guess? I have literally no idea. Okay, point guard is like typically the smallest player. He's no, okay, I think I have it. So, oh boy. He probably, you know, in when those games get played inside, there's like a scoreboard that updates when there's points that get scored. He's like making sure that nobody throws tomatoes at that so everybody can read the score. Very good. So point guard is typically the shortest player on the team. Not always, but typically. Why very good? Wasn't that a good suggestion? Yes. You, you take everything okay. so literally. Thank you so much. Yes. He's okay, the guy no that problem. dribbles the ball up the court, typically the one that distributes the basketball to the team. All right. He sets up the plays normally. Uh, then there's shooting guard. Why do they need it distributed? Why can't they just pick it up themselves? How lazy are these players? I mean, they get paid a lot of money, so probably a little okay. bit. Shooting mm-hmm. guard is the guy that you know, typically, again, it's not always the case, but he will be the best shooter on the team a lot of the time. Then you have oh, well, you small... Well, sure people don't get shot as well. So that's the scoreboard and against shooters. You have small forward. You have, that's what it's called. Yeah, small forward and then power forward. So it's two different forward positions, and then center, which you already got correctly. Center is t- oh, the guy in the middle. Typically, again, it's changed a lot over the years. The tallest player for the most part. And center is the five. Point guard is the one, and it goes in the same order that I did before. So, so that is the answer to that. Does basketball have regulations like uh, boxing matches with like weight class? No. Where it's like small forward, you have to be less than 150 pounds and power forward you can be no less than 250 pounds if they did then the nba would be totally different because now a lot of teams are playing like small ball so your center isn't even that tall to begin with 
It's all about if you can guard the other team's big guy. If if you're good enough to do that and you're smaller, then you can get away with it and you can take advantage on the offensive end because you're going to be faster. So it's a give and take these days as opposed to more traditional okay. like 10, 15 years ago. Okay. Do you think I would be good at basketball? Absolutely not. Uh, okay, I want to talk right. quickly. That's good to hear. Thanks. This is a funny story, okay? Mm-hmm. There's a guy named Paul Pierce, all right? Yes. He played basketball for many years. He was on the Boston Celtics for most of his years. He's a Hall of Famer. He won one championship with the team. I want to tell you a quick story about what he's known for now in the NBA when he played and then what just happened to him recently, okay? Okay, yeah. So to kind of put this in context, there was this old series back in the day in like the 70s or something like that. The New York Knicks had a guy named Willis Reed. It was in the finals. He was like their best player, and he got injured, okay? They thought he was out for the rest of the game. Instead, he comes back onto the court, like limping, and it boosted their confidence so much they ended up winning the championship. It's a very iconic moment in NBA right. history, okay? So okay. in the finals, the Celtics, this is more modern history now. Paul Pierce is on them. They're playing the Lakers. I believe it's game seven, so it's the last game, do or die. Paul Pierce gets injured. It looks really bad. They have to carry him off the court, literally carry him like a baby, basically. Okay? He comes back 15 minutes later, looking perfectly normal, and his team ends up winning the championship. They're like, oh my God, it's another Willis Reed moment. Years later, aka last year, as an NBA analyst, he admitted he was not injured, but in fact had shit himself during the game. And they had to carry him off. both times or just the second time? Just the second time. Okay. They had to carry him off, and he did his business and came back in the game. Everybody thought, you know, the morale was up. If only they knew he had shit himself. I don't know if the outcome would have been different. Anyway. Maybe the morale went up because it didn't smell like (laughs) shit on the court anymore. Yeah, possibly. People could focus on playing their game. So he's been an NBA analyst, and he... I should have tried this. (laughs) He, uh... He released a video, I guess by accident, I don't know, he was streaming on Instagram like the other day, completely drugged out of his mind, and it was his son's birthday party apparently, but there were a bunch of strippers in the background, and he's taking live video, and he has a kid, he has a wife, so everybody's like, what the fuck, and then he gets fired because of that. So I just thought I'd bring up a a more timely thing. And of course, it's during Corona, you have all these people in like a, I don't know what the fuck... It was. A, it wasn't a strip club, I don't think, but it was basically. Can't even have nice house. birthday parties anymore. What is this? Yeah, like, unfortunate. Gets uh, back in the nineties. Things were just easier. <laughs> okay, so that's my story of the week. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. All right, so that was that was a good story. Thank you. It inspired me to shit myself <laughs> for morale. Anything's possible in sports, guys, including yeah. esports. Okay, so the Singapore major has ended, and believe yes. it or not. Uh, I mean, I took basically the week off of streaming because it was aligned with my stream, which means I got to actually watch most of the games, which is mm-hmm. not typical for you know other regions where I'm sleeping. So let's talk about the results, Cinderin. Yes. And we can talk about this for a long time, but let's just talk about the, big the stories, end results. And then yeah, and we the can pick and choose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let me find the exact standings. Where the hell are the exact standings? I'll link it to you if you don't have it ready. I have my Liquipedia open, and it's not... Oh, here we go. Okay. So we talked about some of this last week that was 
you know, but we'll recap again. So the last four positions were Nigma, T1, Gambit, and Alliance. And I believe they were all out during the group stage. Yes. Then 9 through 12, I guess they're tied, right? So it's Fnatic, mm-hmm. Team Liquid, Team Aster, and Quincy Crew. So they end up going out in the, was it technically the second round of the lower brackets for some of these? No, actually it was the first round of the lower brackets, I believe. Right. Um, so we can talk about this first. We talked about how we're a little bit surprised that Alliance and Nigma, I mean, a lot of these teams got destroyed right out the gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I picked Quincy Crew to be top top six, but of course this is with a stand-in, so they get nine to 12, so I can't say I'm super surprised by that. Uh, but basically it was just secret alone in terms of EU after that first round liquid going out. So that's really surprising. That was kind of the, the story of the tournament. Um, yeah, unless you want to count Virtus Pro as EU, but you want to count them CIS, right? I right. I mean, it is. We usually CIS. separate those two. Yeah. True. So, yeah, um, mm-hmm. I think so. I guess, first of all, in this bottom half, the bigger surprises were I don't know what expectations people had for Nigma because they've always been like, or I say always, but in the last half year, they've been very hot and cold. It's true. Um, and they had a stand in. And they were course. cold and they had a stand in here. So. It was definitely not a good showing for them. Um, Alliance, I think, are the bigger surprise for me because I think they've looked more consistently good in the last months. And I believe they... Yeah, I I don't know. I would have probably placed them top eight. Um, so them getting 13th is obviously a big disappointment for them. T1, wasn't really sure what to expect from them. Same for Gambit. So in that bottom four, I think the two EU teams, maybe Alliance are the surprise. I think Nigma is less surprising, but especially given the stand-in. Um, then 9 to 12, like you said, Quincy had a stand-in. I could never have placed this team going into the tournament. I have, like, I just don't know how good, how well they would fare. Uh, Liquid may be a bit surprising, but again, Liquid's history as a team in Europe is they will have tournaments where they look great, and they will have tournaments where things don't go so well. They looked really great at the start. They went 6-0 and on the first day, and then... They barely scraped into the main tournament through a tiebreaker against Gambit. So when you think about that, maybe it makes sense that they lose their next series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Astra, I didn't really know what to think. Fnatic didn't really know what to think. So like when you summarize it, it's not really like all too crazy so far. But when we get toward the top, I think some of the things are a lot more surprising. Because with these teams getting knocked out, some teams got way further than people expected. So first but of to all... To give you an idea on Quincy Crew, of mm-hmm. course, like I said, they had a stand in it was a really important one uh mm-hmm. not that paul is it paulison not that he didn't play well but Paulson, mss yeah. is he's a god like he's the glue for that, team, for that I team i think and just yeah. to give you an idea in the dpc nadpc they beat eg in their one best of three matchup so they're really good uh yeah so i don't think they gave their true showing but go ahead seven to eight yeah so then top eight we have virtus pro in eighth which i would have predicted to place higher i would have had them as top four but they just did not do too well i think Part of it is probably inexperience on land. They have a lot of new players. Um, they need to get some experience against playing against giants on land and playing against other regions, which is something you have to learn because, you know, VP have been looking really good in Europe, but you're used to playing against a European playstyle and you're going to face different teams that play differently than what you're used to. Um, so can't really say it's too shocking, um, but obviously people had high hopes for VP and they didn't deliver on that. Uh, Vici got 7th, 8th as well. I think that's probably a relatively good placement. You know, multiple teams will be in that mid-range. They can't all be number one, top three. Uh, Now the big surprises, 
is SEA got fifth and or, or sorry, SEA got fifth and SA got sixth. Um, or fifth, sixth, they both got the same placement. So we got Neon Esports got fifth, sixth, and Thunder Predator, which most teams would or most people would probably put bottom two going in, ended up top six, and they absolutely crushed day one. They went like eight and zero or something on their first day in groups. They finished first in their group. Uh, but unfortunately, they couldn't transfer it into a top three finish, but still uh, really, really good we, for SA. Okay, can we talk a bit about this? I know that, you know, with uh, Corona and everything, obviously not everything's mm-hmm. going to be perfect. Teams are dropping out, so you have to change the format. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you win the groups, you choose your opponent. I think that's pretty basic. Um, yeah, I don't know what that Thunder was. Thunder Predator ends up going against Secret, which is, as of that time, was the most fearsome opponent. And they got crushed. Secret dumpstered them 2-0. Um, so that was obviously very bad luck for Thunder Predator. But like you said, the, even with that in mind, getting fifth six is a huge accomplishment and a very big surprise. It is true, though. It's kind of a weird choice, right? I mean, it's one thing if you do random draw for a reason. Like, let's say you go into the tournament and you need to seed the teams. And it's like, you... Hmm... I mean, at this okay. Let me let me try this again. So, if you think about it, like let's say Thunder Predator gets first in groups, and all of these playoff teams that come in that are seeded straight into playoffs, uh, Thunder Predator gets to choose their opponent. Then, is that fair to the qualified teams that go straight to playoffs that haven't had to show their strength yet? Do you know what I mean? It should be because they're supposed to be the favorites no matter what. Hmm. Okay, because I think, like, the thing about the random draw is that you, don't, you have no idea how strong Secret, IG, Fnatic, VP, and EG are going in. Mm-hmm. So letting Thunder Predator choose might be unfair to the playoff teams, but at the same time, random draw is also weird. So I, honestly, I agree. I think they should have been able to choose. Um, I mean, the entire, then, the entire, like, benefit of being the quote-unquote upper bracket right away is you don't have to go through the group stage to begin with. That's your advantage mm-hmm. already. You're not only not having to play a bunch of these games, but you can scout everybody else. So I feel like that's enough of an advantage to warrant that, but didn't happen. So yeah, so Thunder Predator, LGD, and Vici got to the upper bracket from the group stage, and LGD drew VP, Thunder Predator drew, drew Secret, and IG drew Vici, and then EG and Fnatic played each other, which was two of the playoff seats. They were the remaining ones, I guess. Um... Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, the, the, honestly, the biggest surprise star of this whole tournament is Thunder Predator. I'm super happy that SA got top six, and I had hoped they would even get top four. But still a great accomplishment for them. They played yeah, really and well. Keep in mind that Beast Coast was the higher ranked SA team, and they couldn't make the trip. So Thunder yeah. Predator was, again, I, I believe somebody, I forget who it was, but they, they bet, like, how much was it? Like twenty bucks or whatever small amount of money on Thunder Predator, yeah, and they someone ended up got an insane return. Thousands upon thousands of dollars uh, during the group stage. So good for them, and I think that that just shows that you know we can talk about the EU region being not as strong. Perhaps it could have just been you know, a fl- you can call it a fluke. I don't know, but it, it felt pretty consistent that Thunder Predator was just really, really good. They did not win by any luck. You know, if you win that many games in a row and you look so consistent when you're doing it, it's not chance, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not really a fluke anymore. Um, As much as people love to meme about OG winning TI by a fluke, it's not a fluke. It's not like, oh, you got lucky twice. (laughs) 
right. in the biggest tournament ever. How lucky. <clears throat> Fluke. Okay. Um, I mean, overconfidence could have had something to do with it as well for some of these EU teams especially, but who knows? Possibly, yeah. But then again, then it's still not a fluke, right? Then that's no. there. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I think of flukes differently than other people do. But uh, top four, Team Secret got fourth, which is almost sounds weird to say because yeah. we're so used to saying Secret got first. Um, but they actually lost fair and square two series in a row. Um, LGD got third, and then EG second and IG first in a finals that EG should have just closed out 3-0. Oh, man. Uh, Oh, they crushed man. them two games. They were far ahead game three. They went on the high ground. They made some mistakes, lost it, and then the momentum swung in a really big way. And I think IG kind of figured out after that game three what drafting buttons they needed to press mm. um, to cripple EG. Well, and let, okay. kind of taking advantage of the pool that EG ended up running in all the games. Yeah. Let, let's talk a bit about that from <laughs> IG's perspective. So you. I mean, watching this this match was pretty incredible. After this is not an exaggeration. After two games, and then halfway through game three, halfway through game three, I start typing up my congratulatory message on Twitter <laughs> for EG. Yeah, I'm like man, I'm so happy. Artizi finally got his first major. That's a good yeah. monkey off the back. Fly gets his fifth, which is that a, I believe that's a record. That would be a record. I'd be surprised. Might if it's be, not. yeah. I think so. Which it's just that's somebody that nobody ever talks about is Fly. That's so incredible. And then they proceed to lose the next two and a half games in pretty convincing fashion, honestly. Like you're right. They had that mm. leading game too. They should have won. And it felt like they just kept drafting Storm Spirit. It's not like, I mean, Abed, we'll talk about the MVPs and everything, but Abed was unbelievably good. But I felt like they were being a bit stubborn with the picks at the same time. Because obviously IG figured them out. Like Kaka kept picking Lion, which you brought up earlier. Probably the hero of the turn of the finals specifically. Just that instant disable was mm -hmm. really crucial for a lot of these pickoffs. And it it just goes to show that momentum is not just like a traditional sport thing. Like just because no. they're playing on a computer doesn't mean momentum has little effect or lesser effect than regular sports. It's fucking huge. I mean, it's a mental concept, right? It's not really a physical thing. Right. In, I mean, momentum is a physical concept, but you know what I mean. In I know what sports, you mean, sir. We think of it mentally. So I just wanted to point it out because, you know, I love being literal and shit. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, you sure do. <laughs> um, but uh, Emo's, yeah. you want to talk about Emo's question mark at the end of game <sighs> yeah, two cause, I mean, or end of game three? So he was being tipped constantly to try to be tilted by EG. And then they yeah. end up winning game three. I mean, keep in mind, game two was a throwaway game. They picked Faceless Void, who may be the worst carry in the entire game. I don't know why you would pick that hero. He ended up chronoing an egg twice in a row. Like, it was... Oh, no. Was that the different game I'm thinking? I'm thinking of the Black Hole, maybe. Uh, anyway, the Chronospheres didn't do anything. Chronophores, Void was never farmed. It was, it was a bad pick. So that was like a 2-0 start for EG, and they should have won. But then, mm. after all the tipping, they end up coming back, IG does, in game three. And yeah, imagine that. Not only do they come back, but what other carry did they pick? They fucking Sven. That's true. Sven, and they ended up picking Spectre I was watching this, and I was like, like how are you expecting to win when you play Void and then Sven? Right. And then I somehow they win the game from some high ground mistakes from EG, and all of a sudden they start picking Bloodseeker, which looked like it was really good for EG. So, yeah. you know, um, they changed things up a bit. But, yeah, the Bloodseeker you know, against Pango feels unplayable during Game 4. And then Game 5 was 
it was Spectre versus Lifestealer. And you have this mm-hmm. Lifestealer bomb into the Storm Spirit, which is good traditionally, but Lifestealer just feels like kind of a weak hero right now. Oh, I hate Lifestealer. And Spectre, I, I mean, Spectre's not exactly a great hero right now either, but if you get farm on her, she's going to carry the game pretty much no matter yeah. what. It's I just think a lot Spectre of times it's outpaced. On average, I would love to have Spectre over Lifestealer in my pub games, that's for sure. I just, yeah, I I re- I'm a true Lifestealer hater right now. I think the hero is really bad, but. Yeah. Uh, like some of the worst it has ever been in Dota 2. That's what I think right now. Because he lost open wounds. I just think that was such a huge part of the hero that went down the drain. You take a carry and you remove his slow that his team benefits from and force him to walk in and start slapping people for less damage than he used to. It's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Not a fan. But um, I guess EG wanted to pay back the void pick. So it evens out. Um, (laughs) I guess so. Yeah, what do I think about the question mark? I don't know. I feel like most people think it's like it's hard to say, man, you shouldn't be allowed to question mark when we have offensive tips in the game, right? Like either you have both or you have neither. That's my opinion on it. So I saw there was some drama where people are like, man, that's really BM. And like nobody spoke up when EG was spam tipping a guy who made mistakes. Like, do you want it or not then? Like you can't have. So my take on it. So just to get people up to speed, I don't have the tweet up right now, but Knoxville Mm -hmm. ended up tweeting about it saying he didn't like it and he hopes that it's, you know, could be punishable. And then he Mm -hmm. gets completely shit on on Reddit. So first and foremost, I don't agree with Knoxville's take on this at all, but I think shitting on somebody that's done so much for the scene over the years is not exactly, I mean, it's actually proving his point to some degree that there's a lot of toxicity in the scene, if anything. Do we need that proven Uh, though? Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of like a facepalm moment in my eyes. But like in terms of trash talking, I, I feel like it's really good for the game. I actually do. Th- I, I I feel like there's a line, and it's all dependent. Mm. Like for Knoxville, the line is just a little bit closer than somebody else, right? Which you know, right. everybody's entitled to their opinion on what they want for the game. I think it's really good for the game. Now, if you're getting racist or toxic in a way that is considered prejudiced or whatever the hell, sexist, any of that stuff, obviously that's way over the line. It should be punishable. Question mark. Right. For me. It's equivalent to the tipping, which you just That's what up. I think, too. It's exactly. It's equivalent. like, you know, it's like, what the hell are you doing kind of thing, right? Which is the exact same thing when people offensively tip when they gank them or they yeah. miss a spell. Like when someone black holes nothing in a game, I think on average they get tipped three times, <laughs> probably. That's average. So Yeah, probably. Um, I'm kind of in the camp that I would not mind if it got removed, but I also don't think it's terrible that it's there. And I think if you remove it, you remove it altogether. Then you don't have trash talk. You don't have tipping. You only have ally tips, right? You could have that as part of the game where you could tip an ally for a cool play or whatever as a flavor. But I understand there's a lot of like storylines and a lot of value for the audience in yes. creating drama. Um, and I think storylines in a game like Dota where the pros notoriously aren't very how to say it they're not they're not making a lot of content right a lot of them at least you don't see them that much on camera you don't get that much of a feel for the personalities you don't get to build those storylines of this player hates this player or loves this player or these guys blah blah blah. there are some stories especially if you're very invested in the game that you know but compare it to a lot of sports then the narratives aren't driven nearly as hard and it's also because in those sports, the players get paid a lot of money to do, you know, more camera appearances, more uh, public yeah. stuff than esports players do. And Dota is one of the worst esports at uh, marketing their players. That's my opinion. I'm pretty sure, like, you look well, to other games, they do a much better job. That's only, that's mainly because there's not much structure 
within like the team based system, right? There's not there's yeah. not a like DPC League is great and all, but it's it's not as I don't know. Like League, obviously that's another extreme. We don't need to get into that, but it's much mm-hmm. more structured in a way that you're more incentivizing. In fact, it's probably part of the rules yeah. to do stuff like that. I think so. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I don't agree with your take that you would personally, like my opinion is I would like it to stay in the game uh, mm-hmm. because the storyline is such a big part of Dota. Like that makes the, the matchup so much more interesting from even just a casual perspective. Like we're talking about how the game is not approachable, you know, for a lot of people. This helps a lot. Like mm-hmm. the no-tail versus fly rivalry, whatever you want to call that these days, like that's right. good for the game. I know it sucks balls for, I guess, Fly, especially now that he's lost this major, but um, it's really good for the game, in my opinion. I guess in, com- like in comparison, that was not something that was fueled by all chat or tipping, right? Like That was actually Actual something dollar. outside of the game, um, which is still inside the game. But um, like the, the point is, I think... Like, imagine this. Imagine you could take the trade-off of removing tipping and removing offensive BM in, ge- in game or whatever you want to call it, and the trade-off was that we got to have more player stories in general, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it probably feels like this is really nice and kind of, in quotation marks, needed because we have less of those stories. But if you imagine we had a very broad uh, media side to the game where you knew a lot more about the players, then you would get the stories from there instead. Then you could, like, build narratives about teams and players that are rivals from whatever, for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, it's just not being done that well in Dota. So um, just quickly before we move on from this finals, you pointed out the five Storm picks. Nobody talks about Phoenix being picked four times by IG. It's like it wasn't only the Storm that was like True. a recurring one, but the reason people love to talk about it was that the losing team picked the same hero five times, right? But the winning team also picked one, three Phoenix games in a row in the end. So with the logic of EG shouldn't have picked Storm more times, then maybe IG shouldn't have picked Phoenix every game, but they did. I just think there's like a there's a difference in what these heroes bring to the table, how crucial they are to the draft, and how counterable they are. I know it's um, not as easy as what I was saying. So, I understand that. It's not as black and white, but at the same time, mm-hmm. Storm is your mid, where Phoenix is yes. your support. So there is a difference. And it's a pretty one-dimensional hero. And it's funny, the, the one game <laughs> they did not pick it is the Void game, which had no chrono setup whatsoever. I, I can't, yeah. I'm still looking at this and asking myself, what is, like, they have Void Spirit, Abaddon, Alchemist, and Lion to go along with Void. So I it's think, basically Earth Spike into Acid Spray. That's your combo. I think it's the worst Void pick I have seen <laughs> in a very long time. And I look at all of their other drafts, and Void would have been better in literally any of the other four games than that one. I, I don't know what they were doing. Um yeah, they ended up farming the, the Ags onto the Void Spirit, which is obviously the, what you do <clears throat> as the offlane yeah. alchemist. And then I believe he got one for Void, which helped. His is the, you time walk in <laughs> and bash everything, which it is a good yeah. Ags, but it's more one of those that scales once you get a bunch of items, which he never ended up getting, right? Yes, so that's the exactly. inherent issue with Void in general. Yeah. Um, but yeah, crazy though. Like Honestly, the story, IG coming back from that was pretty incredible. Not because they came back from 2-0, but because they came back from 2-0 and almost being knocked out. Like And the first the two games game were 31 bad. minutes and 28 minute stomps for mm-hmm. EG. Not even close. They're getting rolled. And then it just turned around the other way. It's, yeah, one of the best comebacks of all time, yep. easily. <clears throat> that's what best of five, that's why best of fives are amazing in Dota. If, obviously if the games were shorter, like on average, mm-hmm. then I would like best of fives for every series, honestly. Mm-hmm. But that 
yeah just doesn't work when games are typically this long okay um so other things we can talk about is kind of some of the heroes that were picked a lot or banned a lot so top five bands by far io is up there which will probably get a mega IO nerf core is so let me ask you a question about this because i was talking to my stream about this earlier like Mm-hmm. We talk about heroes that are really, really hard to balance. They're always either garbage or really like OP, right? Mm-hmm. So Io is one of those heroes. And most of the time, if you want to pick, it's going to be OP. So mm-hmm. in general, I really like that a lot of heroes have tons of flexibility. That's one of the, my favorite things about Dota. I feel like this hero should not also have flexibility. Like It should just be a support. I it, Being core, it's just, I don't know. It's too hard to balance. Like, how do you balance this? Because if so you play this at low both, levels, it's going to get mm-hmm. completely dumpstered. Wait, what did I say? No, no, you you said it's. Um, uh, never mind. Just move on. I think it's it made sense. So, do you agree that it should just not be a core? They should. Just I think we should always strive. I think we should strive for letting heroes play multiple roles as long as it doesn't compromise balance too hard, right? And that's your point here: is that you think it's almost impossible. I think I we've do. had patches where IO was good as support and core but not broken on either i think it is possible but whenever you rework a hero as much as they did with io i think it's really hard to hit that spot the first try um so overcharge got changed spirits got changed tether got changed right all of those three spells got reworked a bit like not not complete reworks but number changes if you remember the old overcharge that was the one that used to give attack speed at the cost of um your it gave attack speed and damage mitigation at the cost of your own health and mana per second which i thought was a really cool design because you're like overcharging yourself you're like draining yourself to improve your carry as a support wisp or yourself as a damage wisp now it just gives attack speed and health regen it's like literally just a huge buff you place with no risk no downsides um and then you have the spirits and Mainly, honestly, I think the main thing that makes Core IO so brutal is Helm of the Dominator. Um, Not Ags. Working the way that it does. If that was changed or like the Dominator creep didn't have such a high base move speed or if IO didn't flat out just get the move speed of the target, there's many ways of going about this. But if you imagine Helm of the Dominator not being in the game, I don't think Core IO would be that broken. Like just that one thing. So it's that hero item combination it's fine. which is, is so powerful. Is he the only hero that buys Helm every game? Does Clinks even buy home? <laughs> yeah. It's just literally an IO item at this stage. Uh, it's garbage for everybody else. Um, okay, um, so other heroes that were banned a lot: Timbersaw, Puck, Alchemist, and Death Prophet. So, I mean, we can probably imagine some nerfs, sizable mm-hmm. ones to some of these heroes for sure. And then, in terms of heroes that actually bypass the pick or the ban screen, Puck is still the top picked hero in the tournament, <laughs> followed by <laughs> Death Prophet right. again, Void Spirit, Tusk, and we talked about Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll get to like what we think is going to come out in the next patch soon. But first, let's wrap up the major. So in terms of the actual viewership for the major, 590,000 views uh, for the EGIG finals, which is really good. Um, yeah. What did you think of the production? Let's talk about that before we... Actually, no. Before we get to the production, let's talk about personal MVPs. MVP of the okay. tournament. Because I have two, and they're different, mm. different uh, criteria. So, for me, the final MVP for just the finals is Kaka. Right. He was a, an apps. I've never seen a lion like. I feel like this hero is just. I hate this hero so much, but I was very impressed uh, with what he was able to do. 
But if I had to pick an MVP for the tournament as a whole, it has to be Abed. I he looked like the literal best player in the entire world, not even close. He was super consistent until those last three games. So as like the full tournament perspective, I would still pick Abed despite them losing the finals. How about you? Uh, I think so. Just in okay, this is a little bit separate, but I think maybe we can choose it. <clears throat> Damn, can you be MVP without being a player? No, like if you're a coach, I that, don't think so. You can't count that, right? No, I don't think so. Okay. Most valuable player that's what okay. it stands for. Has to be the player, okay. <laughs> uh, why, who would you have chosen here? I would have chosen. I mean, it's always hard to say with team dynamics and stuff, but I think in terms of just improvement with Hero Pool and how they played, I actually think Bulba deserves a lot of credit this tournament. Because um, the community loves to shit on him when EG lose on drafts and stuff. Uh, but EG had came in with quite a variety of heroes, quite a lot of strategy, and some really, really strong... Uh, how to say, their hero pool was powerful this time. It has felt in previous lands sometimes like EG's hero pool, they're good at it, but it's not like extremely strong for the patch. I think this time they really nailed it. Um, and then people are like, haha, Bulba, why did you pick Storm five times? You lost. If they would have won one of those five games, nobody would have said shit, right? True. So um, I think their strategy is really good. Anyway, if I had to pick a player, I guess i choose Crit. Uh, I think also Crit is super consistent. I think a lot of standout plays. Um, and I think when EG does well, a huge part of it is always crit because of the way they tailor their strategy and their drafts. And that is what also makes Abed look so good, right? Because if you look across the hero pool that crit mainly plays in this tournament, it's a lot of Earth Spirit that he's a master on, uh, Tusk he plays, and those two heroes, as examples, are exceptionally good at ganking mid. So you build that kind of synergy with your mid hero allowing it to shine, and that's yep, really they good worked, in this patch. They worked so. really well together. But having said that, again, not taking any credit away from crit because he is a god but mm. it felt like every game minus the last three even some of the last three actually abed is just crushing his lane without any help at the beginning like literally double cs a lot of the time i the mechanical skill on this guy is just beyond anything else i've seen so far in professional dota uh and the thing i like about eg i've not been a huge eg fan in the past like past rosters mm. because they just always gave off like a douchey vibe. Am I the only one? I, I looked at them as the Lakers of the Dota scene. I just could never really truly root for them because it just it's always somebody very douchey. Uh, but I like every single player on this roster. They're all very nice. I love Bulba. I know he gets a lot of shit, like you said, but I've always been a big Bulba fan. Everybody's super likable on this roster. Like Fly is one of the most likable, if not the most likable captain in Dota, in my opinion. Just nothing. Like He never talks shit. He just seems like a good dude. Uh, so mm. pretty sad to see them lose, honestly. But th the improvement that they showed from the DPC, pretty drastic. And they said that they didn't really practice, which I don't, much, I don't know how much I should believe that. But they looked really good in this tournament and then just you know kind of threw, which kind of yeah. EG style in the end of the day. And I, I was kind of in the same spot as you. Like I think I really think Arteza deserves to win a major tournament. Yeah, and for sure. Like, the storyline and the meme of him never getting there is obviously something that a lot of people thrive on and really enjoy, that there's this, like, exceptionally talented player that just never wins. But he really, like, if you look across tournament history, I think he has played well enough that he deserves to win at least one major or a TI at this point, right? And it just sucks. And then 
the problem about being in a position like that, where I think, I don't know how many top threes he's had at majors and TI now. He's the most winning player that never won in terms of prize oh, yeah. money. It's like, Easily. he's got so many top threes, so many finals, so many fourth places um, without getting that big win. Uh, is that the narrative, it's got to be annoying, right? The narrative whenever EG loses that Arteezy can't win. Even if he played amazing in the finals, people would still attribute a lot of it to him just being on the team. And I can't imagine that's just fucking annoying, right? Like, you're yeah, obviously going to filter it out. But it's just such an annoying um, attribute to be assigned, right? To be the guy who can't win. <laughs> so I really yeah. want him to win. I do too, because... Yeah. I mean, maybe this is good for him in the long run because maybe. he was a young kid. He was winning a lot, but then he didn't really win any of the huge, huge, huge tournaments like TI or any major. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these young kids came in and they did win a couple, and then they get kind of overconfident. They become, like I said, they become real douche nozzles. And I hung out with Arteezy briefly at uh, what was that WCA when he was a stand-in for us at DC because Yawar couldn't make the mm -hmm. flight. Um, he. He's pretty chill. Like I, I, I never get any douche vibes from Arteezy. He's Artesi. a good guy. He just seems like a good dude, very chill. And again, maybe in the long run, this is going to be good for him uh, because I think they're only going to get better. And I, there's still one more major to go before TI. But again, I said this early on in the DPC season, even though they didn't look that great during that time because they were kind of newly put together roster with the addition of Ice Ice Ice. Mm -hmm. On paper, this is the best team in the world. If you just look at pure talent, I don't think it. No, anybody's even close. Honestly, that's how I feel. Really, you don't think I, anybody's even close? No, I don't think. It, oh, okay, secrets uh, probably close. Secret's I would disagree close. with that, but they're, they're definitely very, on very paper. They're like I don't think anybody on paper is better. Let's put it that way. You could put a couple teams close to them, whatever mm -hmm. the case. But I put them in high esteem. Um, okay, so in terms of the tournament production, I just want to talk about this briefly. First of all, overall, the tournament was really well done. Uh, shout out to PGL. Did a great job. The green screen. What are your thoughts on the green screen? Let's talk about this for a moment. The green screen that they use yeah, for a majority I, uh, of the tournament. I really hate green screen. Uh, should... Now, a lot of people on my I mean, stream my, said they... scuffed as fuck, but they might have used that one. <laughs> um, a lot of people on my stream said that the Cinderin green screen might have been better than the uh, Major's green screen. <laughs> what do you think? So... I think pulling off green screen, so this is a little bit technical, but pulling off a green screen in that type of room with that type of lighting and those angles is really difficult. Um, right. Green screens usually work the best if, oh, well, I, okay, I'm not going to be too technical because then I'm going to say something fucking stupid. That's just wrong. But based on my experience with other tournaments, usually uh, the green screen gets transformed into something very simple and something kind of monotonous. And I think maybe this green screen setup was trying to do a little bit too much because they wanted to one-up stuff and be really, you know, exceptional. Yeah. And unfortunately, if you try to do something incredible like that and it isn't, like, truly believable, then that just ruins it a bit, right? Like, you can't... It's better, in my opinion, it's better to have something simple and stable that looks clean than trying to do something really cool where you can tell a bit too much that it's fake. I mean, everybody knows it's fake, but it's still something about the visual appeal in it, right? Um, so yeah, I, I admire them for trying it. I think it's really good to push the technical boundaries and try to make things better, such as like the 4k YouTube stream, which I believe ran really well. I don't watch on YouTube, but, uh, Oof. from what I heard, it was solid at least most of the time. Yeah. Um, they had some major technical stream hiccups on day one. I think it was, and maybe some on day two, but it got improved. That happens all the time to tournaments. It's nothing new. Uh, obviously we'd rather be without it, but production setups are 
difficult to do. There's going to be unpredictable stuff that happens sometimes. And yeah, the main thing is how you adjust it, in my opinion. When tournaments have production issues and it doesn't improve, like the Shanghai Major where things were just like, what the fuck for a couple of days versus this where there's clear improvements, I think that, you know, it should be applauded when things go better. Uh, but at the same time, I understand that people are frustrated that things aren't working perfectly from day one. Uh, we have problems with that even at TI, just for reference. Sometimes there's stuff that needs to be ironed out from the first yeah, day. I, I think he put it pretty well. Like in terms of the green screen, they're just trying to do too much. I mean, even, but I, I think my criticism would be if you're going to go for something like that, I, the theme I didn't find interesting at all. And the mm. fact that the main model that you're showing is Morphling, the literal worst model in the entire game, is mind-blowing. What a choice, actually. I, you literally well, maybe cannot that's take why. the worst hero. Uh, but then you could blame it on Morph. If your green <laughs> yeah, screen doesn't look good, it's like, well, we have Morphling. Nothing makes Morphling that's true. look good. So other that's than smart, actually. So I watched the YouTube stream for the most part. Um, it was actually... The YouTube UI is pretty garbage, so it's actually difficult to find because the link changes every day. Uh, oh, it's, really? it's pretty bad, actually. But... Once you find it, it's 30 seconds behind the Twitch stream, which was also slightly annoying. But the quality, Cinder, and holy ball sack. Mm -hmm. I did not even realize what I was missing. I go back to Twitch, and it looks like a pile of garbage. The, it's not wow, just the really? resolution. 4K, mm -hmm. obviously great. Even if I'm watching on my 1440p monitor, which is not 4K, looks incredible. Even if you watch it on 1080p, regular 1080p, the bitrate is like triple what Twitch allows. Twitch is 6K bitrate, which is pretty low. Yeah. So we're, I mean, as an industry, we should all hope that YouTube and, well, I don't know about Facebook, but maybe Facebook, since Mixer's gone now, if they can somehow just compete a little bit with Twitch, because Twitch, all yeah. they need to do is like flip on that switch. They can do it. It's just, there's like no point. There's Nobody's competing with us. Why would we spend extra money on servers for bandwidth? Yeah, but I'm yeah. telling you, man, that... It was a fucking treat to watch. It looked incredible. Again, I've watched 4K stuff on my TV, like on Netflix hmm. and stuff like that, and obviously looks great. I've never seen Dota in 4K. It's really good. 60 FPS 4K. Nice. Extremely, extremely good. And now I can't watch Twitch anymore. Looks like garbage. Yeah. Well, that's a problem. Yeah. Well, Hopefully I'll just never watch 4K then, so I can still watch Twitch. Indeed. Okay, so last <laughs> thing about the major, uh, the all-star match occurred, Sindarin. Uh, I yes. cast it with Jenkins, and you were the victor. Congratulations, my Thank friend. You. I'm so proud much. of you. You died Thank you. like 15 times, I think, along with snaking Why and Dendi. Wanna... Yeah, good. Thank you. It wasn't just me. Puts yes. you in good company, right? That's very mm -hmm. good. You picked Absolutely. support Luna and fed relentlessly, but you were helped out quite a bit, but quite a bit by Fire Toad enabling a lot of cheats, essentially. My man, what did you think of the All Star match? I thought it was really fun, um, and I would have also thought it was really fun if we lost. Like we weren't playing for anything; it's just for show, right? So yeah. it's just clowny. Uh, all of the the fact that none of the teams had played the map before, I think, was really really good. It made it added a lot to it that there was these elements of surprise that we didn't know what was coming, yeah. and we just had to adapt on the spot to crazy situations with like the cookies with the black hole with everything uh happening so i thought that was really fun and i think it's a good template for how you can run show matches at ti and stuff where not really going to think too much about what players you pick but the show matches are very hit or miss with what actually happens in the game because sometimes they're like stompy sometimes they're boring i think having some sort of 
chaotic force in the server that can just make things happen is actually yeah. really good for a show match. Uh, yeah, so I think I think I that should be inspiring. Like it should be because we talked yeah. about this before. All star matches in the past, like the really good ones, are usually just the new heroes being introduced. Right, that's yeah. the main draw, which is great. I think that if they have a new hero that they want to actually show off at TI, then do it. If you don't, you got to do something crazy like this. I think getting like fan participation, they vote for what buff or nerf or whatever you want to call it gets put into the game. Like mm -hmm. as the game is live, that's really cool. Like think about that. Like you can yeah, get Twitch cool. chat uh, voting and all that stuff. So that would be really cool. Um, yeah, I sure. I got to test the game mode like a few days before. Uh, we had to nerf some stuff and I think they nerfed the tidal wave a little too much. Because that was insta-giving us before, and then it did like no damage to you guys at the end. Yeah, well, I was the only one dying to that, so that was great. Yeah, I got were... caught in it forever, and then I got ganked. Yeah, you were doing so great. Good job. It stopped me. Good job, yeah. buddy. It was great. So that was the all-star yeah, match of fun. for the major. I think like Netflix was the one that basically initiated this whole thing, to my understanding, mm -hmm. uh, which is really cool. They want to get uh, like very involved. like With all the stuff that they've done around the anime, I think it's extremely cool. Like The giveaways and all that stuff. Uh, they edited the video with the player voices, which was awesome. I think the only thing I didn't like is that they cut out some of the video of the game. They mm -hmm. just, like, it, you didn't really miss that much, but it felt kind of weird to just cut it up like that. But overall, extremely good stuff. So was happy with it. You did a great job casting. I listened back uh, to it. It was fun. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't have listened to it. I feel good like job. I, you know, they actually cut out the part at the end where I'm like, because you know how I'm always a little self-conscious after I rip you apart? I'm like, some people mm -hmm. probably think I hate Cinder. So let me just, one more time, because again, <laughs> my girlfriend will come to me after a podcast episode. You were so mean to Cinder in. She doesn't really sound like that. But well, now you're being mean to her. <laughs> All right, I'm going to, gonna, she's going to be mad at me later. But I, I basically, I, I was going to say preface, but it was post, post-faced it with, guys, I'm friends with Cinder and he's okay with me ripping him apart. We appreciate it. Yeah. He won. So you should be happy. So thank you, Cinderin, for being such a good friend. Okay, next thing on the list, roster shuffles. Uh, we don't need to spend a ton of time on this, but Viking.gg picked up Kezu. So that's a replacement for, yep. it was Toby that left, right? Yeah, very unsurprising. Uh, they announced Toby leaving some weeks ago. Kezu has been playing as a stand-in. Uh, they got some pretty good results, and I think he's a good fit. So it makes a lot of sense. Uh Navi made a little bit of a surprising move and added. So, yeah. So, let's talk about the context of this. So, literally two days ago, I feel like, maybe three days, mm -hmm. Ramsey's tweets, I'm available. Somebody pick me up for season two. And Navi did that. They dropped General and they pick up Ramsey's. So, that's position three, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah ramsey's i mean that's he said that's one of the two positions he's willing to play whether he's a good offlane i feel like i've seen one game with him playing offlane with eg so didn't last very mm. long obviously what, what are your thoughts on this change so he started out on offlane in pro dota i believe and then he became a carry for vp and oh, then i didn't know he that. still okay. plays offlane so his way of playing offlane is i would say more farm intensive than some other players i think he's very I think he likes carrying from the offlane uh, more so than enabling. So maybe we'll see them draft around that a bit. But mm. yeah, I think this was a controversial pickup, not because of the player, but because of how Navi had been doing and how much General had contributed. And then they didn't get to go to the major because of COVID. And then they just replaced their offlaner within two days of him announcing, hey, I'm looking for a team. And now General is out there looking for a team himself. So 
obviously this stuff happens all the time that players get moved around and you get someone else. But I think the reason this is as controversial as it is, is that Navi had started doing really well and they had like grown a lot as a team in the last few months. They got the second place finish at ESL one Germany back in, when was that September or whatever? Um, and they qualified for the major and they've had like great synergy and games, good strategy played well around each other. And then you make changes like this. I think that's why it's controversial. If they had sucked, you know, then nobody would be batting. And I'd be like, yeah, try something new, get Ramsey's, but it's got to be a bit bitter here. Um, yeah. It feels like general. they're taking a superstar type talent, but we haven't, he, yes. he hasn't really been a superstar as a three yet. He's shown that he's really good at one. You said he started out as three. I haven't, Again, yeah. he hasn't really had a pro career where he's been prolifically amazing at the three positions, so we'll see. I've also I'm heard like, from some people mm -hmm. that he's... Like, we can talk about Sumail, how, why the hell this guy is not on a roster, but like from Ramsey's perspective, I've heard somewhat negative things in terms of the personality involved with him, mm -hmm. like being super, super mega toxic, like the literal most toxic player. Uh, okay. So not to sugarcoat it, <laughs> like mega super toxic. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. So we'll see if how that works on their dynamic. Mm -hmm. Of course, we don't know the full story with why General was like, oh, maybe they were going to let him go anyway. We don't. We have no clue. We have no insight right. into this information. So we'll Doubt see. it. I'm pretty sure it was because of this. But So what I gathered from, I think I read a comment or two about this saying that always want to fly into Iceberg, that it was their dream to play with Ramses a while back or whatever. Oh. Uh, so maybe it's something that the players have really wanted. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, things change, situations change. I genuinely can't tell you if I think this is an upgrade or not. I My gut says no, actually, to start. Because for me, Ramses is better as a carry. And I think their team dynamic worked really well because of how General plays and what heroes he plays. Um, Should so V-Tune be, be scared, like Cinderin? They're position <laughs> one. I don't know. Uh... I, what's your solution then? You get Ramses to Bring carry and you're like, General hey, General, back. I want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what a look Control that would be. Control Z, that's, you know? Control Z Surely that's that not going to happen. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's obviously exciting to see his name there. Um, but yeah, personally a bigger fan of him on position one. So in addition to that, no one has joined Gambit. A.S. Monaco Gambit, sorry. Mm -hmm. And who did he replace? actually uh i think they had fn and then that he was a stand-in and then he joined right oh, okay did he so that's going to be dream no one afterlife immersion GPK. and Seneco playing the position five there so no one will so retain had... the mid role okay i'm looking through the history here they had gpk then gpk left to join vp prodigy uh, it says here, which, okay, I'm a little bit unsure about this exact thing. Um, but they were called VP Prodigy at the time, and now it's VP, right? Uh, and then FN joined for a short period of time in February as a stand-in, and then they chose to get no one. I think that's how the chronology is here. It's a little bit It's confusing. amazing that this VP, ro the original VP roster, like when I think of VP, I think of no one, Solo, Ramses, etc., None of them have really found success. They're just kind of just bouncing around left and right. That surprises me a little bit because they were just so individually skilled. But uh, hopefully they find success uh, with their well, new The reason teams. I'm a little bit confused here is that I could have sworn I read that no one left Gambit. And that he was like just standing in. And then 
he made a post that he's looking for a team and now he joined Gambit. Oh. I mean, I have to admit. Let's <laughs> try to find it. Let's see. I'm looking at their roster. So April second, he tweeted out looking for team position two CIS EU message me. That's four days ago. February eleventh, a new roster roster announcing the current live to wins roster, and no one joins as a stand-in. That's February eleventh. So now he joins as a full member. Okay, so this was sixteen hours ago. He officially joined. So he was yeah. looking for team while being a stand-in. And then he joined the team that he was a stand-in of. So they didn't work that out beforehand. He made a public search and then, okay. All right. Well, and he's a gambit. The final change that I know of, at least, is Masaros. Is that the right way to pronounce it? Is out Something like that. of Fnatic. That's their position three. And they have yet to replace mm-hmm. him, to my knowledge. Uh, of course, yep. Fnatic not doing too hot at the major, which, you know... Not everybody can do well, but they had, you know, I wouldn't say super high expectations, but higher than where they placed. So Asaros wasn't there, right? Oh, is he the one of the stand-ins? Let's see. Am I April fourth, uh, two days ago, he was put on the inactive roster, and that's all the notes that I have. So unless there's something that I'm missing. Wasn't there wasn't the, Death was playing for Fnatic. Was that instead of Masaros? No, I don't know. Do your research, Suns fan. Cinderin as well. Damn it! Dude, Can't okay. waste those I'm comments. A bit, we 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 do a lot of uh, we do a lot of research. Here. We yep. just don't know this one. We make mistakes. That's okay. It's okay. Uh, all right. Oh, so Death that... was playing with Neon. I'm being stupid. Fuck that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was playing for Neon. So get your shit together, Cinderin. Yeah. All right. My bad. So my with bad, that, Shannon. let's move on to patch predict. This is gonna be the last segment. We don't even have Patreon mailbag questions. Our Patreon people. Need to ask us questions, okay? Uh, but let's talk about what we think will come out next week. Again, that's episode 100. It will be the normal time of the week. Uh, but this Friday, there will be a big patch. There will be a hero that's been announced, and there will be a balance patch. That's all we know. So what are you expecting? It's less about hoping. What are you expecting? We can kind of tag team this if you want. We can go back. I've written down a few things if you want to okay. go off of that. So one thing that I I think they will actually finally do, because mm-hmm. I think the rune situation is kind of a mess right now. I think that they will have the thing that's in Han, essentially, some form of that, where on the opposite side of the river, when a rune spawns, there's something that you can put in the bottle to give it two charges or whatever the case may be. We used to have that in Dota, actually. We have had that. I think it gave... Yeah, I think it gave two charges, but that's a long time ago. I think it was almost Dota 1, right? It's a really long time. Why, why don't... But we wait, have had am that. I remembering it from Dota and not Han? What am I remembering? Maybe it was from Dota. Was it even in Han? Shit, now... Do your research! I mean, I think it's fair. Like, this game has changed a million times over 15 years. You can't remember everything correctly or find everything. All right, people are saying it was bounties or the opposite one. Is that true? Were they? The hell? Yeah, there was <laughs> so, a time so when long. there was one bounty and one regular rune spawning at the same time, right? And you would always try to get one of them. Okay. And you would hope you got the power rune because it filled your bottle fully, whereas the bounty rune only gave two charges. Right. And then. That's right didn't usually allow for plays. Yeah. Whereas so I think the one I'm thinking of was never in Dota. It was just Han. 
pretty sure. Uh-huh. I mean, what would you think okay. of having a something that it's just there to fill up your bottle? That's literally it. You still have people coming in to deny it. Like right now, the issue mm-hmm. is the rune is just so important, right? Of course, the first rune yeah. maybe not as much because a minute later you can go get a bounty, but it still has an importance. Mm-hmm. You have people TPing into mid lane just to fill up bottles, which is really messy. I feel like it's kind of a weird mechanic in general, but kind of has to be there with the current state of things. What do you think? Uh, I think, honestly, in in some ways, it's good to have something like that to spice up games. I just think some of the runes are too good, actually. I think that's the bigger oh. problem than that one player gets in, the other one doesn't, is how relatively huge impact they have. Like, double damage and haste, for example, mm-hmm. are insane in their in what they do, right? Think about how many games get in a tough spot and then a carry gets DD, and it can just change the whole outcome of the game right, based can on I, the carry game. Can I have a counter-argument here? So, first mm-hmm. of all, they're never changing double damage because imagine you pick it up, and an announcer mm-hmm. says when you activate it, one and a half times rune! That's not happening. Yeah, you could one call and a half it times damage else. rune! No. You could it's call it the... Damage rune. The pow- you could call it power rune, and then it just gives you more attack damage. But it is a power... It's already a power rune. God, I fucking hate you. It's okay, going to be so... called the damage, like double damage. They're just going to take the same voice lines and just delete the double. So it's like damage. <laughs> it's going to sound terrible. They're not redoing all the voice lines. Too much work yeah, for Valve. That's true. Yeah, they would need to redo voice lines. So that's not happening. Okay. Um, no. So do I think that would be fine? Sure. I think versions where you get a secondary rune is fine as like a mitigating factor. Um, but the trade off there is when a team has map control, they are now getting two runes. So it's even harder to play from behind. And I think right now, Dota, when you're losing, is really hard. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. It's fine that it's difficult, but I think it's too difficult to come back, especially at a pro level. Um, we obviously had a great story with IG doing it in that game three, but uh, a lot of games feel, to me, a bit too determined 25 minutes in, where you can kind of see the writing on the wall a lot of the time. Uh, and it's, I think it's good for the game when it's a bit less predictable how things are going to end. Um, so that's the first thing is that the, the team in control will get the two runes. You remember we had this patch where at 40 minutes, both power runes spawned at the same time, right? We had two power runes in the river every time at 40 minutes and onward. Oh, that okay. got removed the next was, patch because it was okay. considered way too powerful to be ahead, right? So yeah, if it's like a filler rune, if it does nothing except refill the bottle, then it's whatever. But if it's like even a bounty rune, then I think it starts mattering quite a bit to be ahead. Um, so do you want to do like some sort of a ghost rune? Sure. Just to help people fill up bottle for fairness. I'm fine with that. Ghost Um, rune. You could even, you could even debate whether it should be deniable or not. Could just make it a rune that you can only interact with if you have bottle. So then there's always something for, do you think ah, that would, uh, no, you should still be able to. Do you think that would encourage getting two bottles on the same team consistently? Maybe, maybe, yeah. Anyway, I think um, that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. I think that would be okay. Um, uh, but yeah, so, okay. If you have ideas, go ahead. Yeah. So that was your main thing was about power runes will get changed, and what was the other thing you said? No, I have a, a big list. I have many more. Oh, that you've only said that one thing. Okay, I've only I thought you said two things. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Just do your whole list, and I'll do mine. Okay. Uh, so some of these are just general like hero buffs, and I don't have ideas. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do, but it's not what I'm expecting, which is what this is supposed to be, so I'm breaking my own rules. I think Necro will be buffed. I think a good way to buff him, because they like to be inconsistent with everything anyway, Ghost Shroud not being dispellable, that's a huge buff for the hero. 
quality of life. Mm-hmm. He's unplayable. If you get nullifier, you just lose. It's just an auto win against that hero. He's garbage. Of course, he no, probably needs a little bit of love him. after the fact, but because uh, Spirit Vessel is still going to be good against him. Like, there's so many items or things that are good against him. So mm-hmm. I think that hero could use a buff. I think OD is going to get redesigned because that's tradition to redesign him every patch. So just got to keep that up. Uh, I think Pudge will be buffed. Yes, my please. hope. I don't think this is what I. This is not what I expect, but I hope that he will be buffed in a similar fashion to what we saw in Heroes of New Earth that we've talked about before, where you hook and you can move while the hook is going, and it kind of it's almost like a grappling thing, so it increases the chance. It was pretty broken in Han. I won't lie. There's ways to balance it, though. That makes it a lot of fun. Maybe too broken, though. We'll see. I would uh, rather have it just be faster, then. If you wanted it to have higher chance of connecting, then... Boring. Boring. Yeah, sorry. I'm boring. They, I mean, it was already faster before, right? Mm-hmm. Try something new. Get, get a little bit more creative. Uh, I think okay. DK... I don't have one for this, but DK, I think, is going to be buffed because of the anime. Uh, <laughs> I was actually looking at his percentage. I'd like... The lower ranks, it's actually higher than 50%. It's just the top two, like Ancient and Divine and Immortal. It's sub 500, essentially. So I don't know what you would do to make him better, though. You know, I, I don't like the fact that he's sometimes played offlane. That bothers me. It really bothers me. But then if you play in mid, you, it still sucks. There's, <laughs> there's plenty of ways you could buff that hero, right? It's like it's a well, very straightforward hero, so I don't think buffing is very difficult. No, I, in terms of numbers, yes, but I'm trying to think of a creative way to buff them, like adding an uh-huh. armor here or there, or whatever. You know, you can do a million things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would like to see a nerf to all the spirits in the game. Not Spirit Breaker, Eventual Spirit, but the mm-hmm. Ember Spirits, the Storm Spirits, the Void Spirits, and Earth Spirit. All mm-hmm. the brothers, they need to be nerfed. Uh, they're too strong. I could actually be on board with all of them getting nerfed in the same patch. I think, I, I think it's going to happen, genuinely. Uh, I also, this one's kind of a hope, I guess, but I hope that they either, actually, no, I expect this. Either they're going to nerf Arcane Blink or they're going to buff Overwhelming Blink to actually put it into the same conversation as the other two. Overwhelming Blink is overwhelmingly the worst of the three Blinks. Arcane Blink is the best, although actually you could argue the other one, Swift Blink, is just as good now now that they buffed it. You see that a lot now on late game carries, whereas Overwhelming Blink is still a pile of absolute shit, so... Make that better, please. Thank you. Shannon, you know how I'm boring and shit? Yes. I don't like Arcane Blink as a design. I just don't like the item. I actually um, agree with that. I think the CDR and the casting being in the same package is the problem. Delete one of I those aspects. I think cast time reduction should not be a stat in this game. I think it's too hard to balance and too chaotic. And it's a core part of hero balance that spells are hard to cast and land. And when you give people a way of buying out of that, you, again, you make yourself, you give yourself a really hard job with balancing. And is it worth it? I got, I don't think so. I actually don't think this item is worth it. But then again, I'm a boring old boomer who also didn't think status resistance was worth it or fun. I love status resistance. Some people still agree with me on. Love it. Love it. um, Don't touch it, Ice Frog. Don't listen to him. Don't you do it now. So... If you played Han for six months back in the day, you would not be saying these things. Cast point reduction is cool. I think the item in its current form is broken, though, because it does both. I think you got to get rid of one of them. It's too good. It's too good of a blink. 
on specific heroes, like the old Shadow Fiends of the world. Way too good. Um, anyway, in addition yeah. to that, Cinderin, a more general thing, mm-hmm. I, I hope that they nerf, and I think that they will, the high ground defense is too strong for mortals like myself in the mid range of the MMR. It I don't I can't even put my finger on what it is. They want just, games to be easier to end. Well, I want them. Okay, this is in addition to another change I have coming up here. So, okay. high ground defense needs to be harder for the defenders. In addition, mm-hmm. th- they need to increase the rubber band comeback mechanic in some fashion because right now, okay, and it's become very noticeable in pro games which you're going to love this because I'm going to agree with you to a small point here. Wow. <laughs> Games are a bit methodical yes. where like with the bounties, I hate saying this because it's agreeing with you, but I only agree with you a little bit. The bounties coming at five minutes, outposts at 10, Roshan, like every, once you get a lead, it's actually kind of difficult. EG found a way, but it's pretty difficult to lose it. It feels like you just go about the motions. You know what you're supposed to do. Yep. And Usually work like you could shoot after the laning stage. You could say this team's going to win and be right ninety five percent of the time. Probably, that's what I felt watching a lot of the pro games. So, so something needs to be tweaked. Perhaps. Just as a reference, think about what happened with Roshan. Right, you remember there was a time that Roshan respawned after ten minutes. Yes. Right, and then they changed it so Roshan respawned a random time between eight and eleven, and they've never changed that since. Mm-hmm. And that was such a good change because it broke the monotony of teams planning minutely around when is the next big objective but then instead we've added other mechanics that do that they're just not roshan level impact but it's bounties it's outposts it's neutral items that have a specific set time now this thing happens that you should go and do and like you said i mean i've said it before on the podcast as well right i feel like the game is a little bit too um it's too much of a recipe of how to play it's telling you what to do a bit too much um but yeah, go ahead, finish your list, and then I'll do mine. God, I hate agreeing with you. Again, I don't fully agree with your take on it, but mm-hmm. watching pro games especially, it became more obvious. that, that It's is at the pro the level case. that it matters the most because that's where people play the best and make the least mistakes. Yes. So then it will be amplified by a lot. Uh, I also think, these are my last three, I think the Hoodwink, Ags, and Shard will be released along with her being introduced into yeah, captain's mode immediately. Sure. Uh, I think the Spectre Arcana will come out as well Friday. That's a prediction. And this is my major prediction for the hero that I'm going to be horribly wrong on. I don't think that it will be an anime-related hero. Because, again, I'm just pretending that I'm Valve. Probably had basically no contact with Netflix about the show other than, okay, do it. I don't think they're planning around that at all. That's my guess. I think the hero will actually be from Artifact, which would be hilarious. But it's been Which teased one? in a lot Sorlicon? of these. It's been, I wish. It's been teased. Oh. In that, Sorlacon would be great because of the high ground thing. That, that was one of my additions. Like, hey, <laughs> she can bring a take salt high ground, ladder so you can push. Salt ladders, baby. <laughs> the hero that has been, the, the hero that's been teased the most in a lot of these comics is Vanessa. She's also cool. I, that's my prediction that the hero will be Vanessa. You think it will be Vanessa or you want it to be? I think it will be. If okay. I had a choice, it would be Sorlacon, like I said. There'd be a lot okay. of other heroes. Yeah. If I had to choose a hero, Vanessa. Okay. That's Which hero that is only an artifact do you think would fit the least into the Dota universe based on how it works in Artifact? Mazzy. Because Mazzy. he gets stronger with items. Like every oh, item is just yeah, better we can't on have him. That. 
Like, imagine getting 20 damage and it gives you 40 instead on just that hero. That's what that essentially would do. That's like Alchemist with gold. <laughs> I mean, it's, true. it's not yeah. that far-fetched that you could have an item that, or a hero that could do that. Like, then okay. it's just weak, but gets very strong from items. I, I kind of like it now. I could see it. All right. Fair enough. All right, what do you got? That's do you, my do you full think, list. Do you think you could implement Kana in a meaningful way? She still Kana. does the thing where she spawns creeps, right? Yeah. Uh, ooh, that's a tough one. I feel like that's hard to implement in a meaningful yeah, that, way in Dota. I mean, I feel like you could always do something with all of these heroes, but that one would be, like, just sitting on the spot thinking of it would be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, well, I'll try to do it backwards then. So I think, I actually think it's going to be Fimran. Um, okay. That will be the new hero. And I think because the timing with the anime is too perfect and because of how... I want to say how clear the spell casting was in the in the anime with Fimran. Uh, it would make sense without, yeah. I actually think that's far fetched. I legit think we'll that's far fetched. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think if it's not Fimran, then I think it would be. I, I feel like the, the heroes that they had planned for Ti. If we assume that the rumors are true with like Valkyrie and stuff, I think they're going to save those for Ti. Actually, so I don't think it's going to be those. Yeah, uh, which would be. Yeah, so what would the next one be? Yeah, then I actually think Vanessa as well, or Sorla Khan at that point, um, well, if you Sorla want to say the There's no heroes. reason I think Sorla Khan would have anything to do with this, because she's never been teased in any Dota comics. Vanessa has many times. Yeah, that's so that's true. That's why that's a good guess. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm going to go on record. Changes. If they're going to take something in the anime, it'd be Caden. That would be my choice still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they could make Caden as well. Um, or more. All right, That's then. <laughs> let's see. So, what I think is going to happen, and what I want to happen. So, what I think is going to happen is uh, some sort of change to Necronomicon, because oh, that's been yeah, like true, kind of stupid lately, um, especially in pub tier play. Uh, we're gonna have. I think we're gonna have changes to this this timed stuff uh, that we've both talked about now. So. Whether it's more random spawn time on runes or less impact or less of them in general, whatever it would be, um, something is going to change with that. I'm pretty sure. Um, then hero specific, I would like a buff to Pudge like you would. I think Dazzle has sucked for long enough. Would be nice to get my boy back a little bit. Um, what would you buff I think on Pudge those are going other to than get buffed. hook speed? Would you choose anything different? Uh, he needs to be better in lane somehow. I think that's the biggest problem is we had patches where Pudge was good in lane and then he was actually played even at a pro level and then he got nerfed again. What do like, you think you of remember Jenkins? The patch where he, had, he had a lot of regen on his passive. That was great. Example. Getting passive level one, that was great yeah. in lane. Uh, what do you think of Jenkins' idea that, I mean, part of his idea is shit, but activating mm -hmm. flesh heap. Unsurprising. And putting a yep. rot on the ground in front of you somewhere, like as a projectile. Yeah, I think that's fine. I just I don't think that is what the hero needs, but that's it's a buff, obviously, so it's welcome. But I, I think <clears throat> I, I like I like flesh sheep as a concept being passive, but activating it is fine. I just don't think it should be reworked on in addition to that. Then it should still have its passive component and just get something extra. If that's what he means, then that's fine. I think. Give him a um, 1.0 turn rate. That'll make me happy. And cast yeah, point you want reduction that on every on hero. Hook. That's true. That's true. Um. Okay, so what else? What other heroes do I really want to buff for? Uh, let me just quickly 
It will come to me when I see it. Um, you play I think a lot of Clockwork, Cinderin. The... That's your favorite yeah. hero. He could get a minor buff, but honestly, I think Clockwork is very much dependent on how good the other fours are rather than how weak he is. I don't think the hero is bad. I just think there's like some options right now are just too appealing. Um, so I'll just go to the nerf train because that's where I'm all, always more interested in nerfs than buffs because I'm old and boring and I like that things get weaker and slower uh, rather like than flashier and faster. Yeah. So IO core needs to be nerfed. And I think an elegant way of doing it would be to nerf spirit damage on creeps so the hero farms slower. Then it gets dragged more in its support uh, direction, mm -hmm. uh, but can still be played as a core with Dominator. It just farms a bit slower, which I don't think would be unfair. The hero farms fucking fast. Um, Enigma should get nerfed, I think. Necronomicon, like we talked about. Uh, Alchemist. And another one of those heroes that's just conceptually either really powerful or really weak i think right now he's too strong um you those like are probably the, the biggest ones and the spirits like you said i would like nurse too. the well. concept of gifting ags and refunding do you like that i personally love it but it is a bit gimmicky like I, a lot of teams try to i the would major. like him to get a new axe honestly the win I, percentage is terrible for that at the major terrible sure but like conceptually i don't think it's an interesting axe really Really? Gifting an axe isn't interesting to you? Are you talking about I mean, the one that he gets an, himself? It's, you know what I mean? It's not an axe. That's the most interesting axe in the game. <sighs> and then give you him, get give him to... something cool that changes him instead. Well, it does That's change him once you gift a bunch of axe. You get... What is it? Is it attack yeah. speed or spell damage it, it as gives well? Or damage, damage and spell and... amp, right? Yeah. damage and spell that, amp. That's cool. That's, a, that's the coolest axe mechanic in the game. Easily. I don't know. Don't touch that I, I, I don't. I don't think it's that interesting, but that's fine. Um, oh. I mean, it obviously opens up some strategic avenues. I just, I don't like the design because of how Alchemist is able to get gold in the way that he is, and then again, it becomes one of these like balancing things, right? Where it's just <clears throat> there's gonna be, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh, okay. Let's see. Yeah. So then the spirits. And I think that's pretty much it from like my short list of heroes that need nerfs. I think there's a lot of heroes that... Oh, Lifesteal needs a buff, by the way. Uh, Give him open wounds. Can't, can't believe I'm saying that, but... How about the shard yeah, becomes I ghoul like frenzy it. instead? Ever think about that oh. one? Nobody would buy it. <laughs> 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 Poor um, makes. I, I miss my boy. I love him. Uh, he's so he's, bad, he's though. Okay, then on a macro level, I think the map will change a bit. Uh, and I hope it will. I hope it's less like we talked about previously uh, on another episode with the ward spots. I would like them to be a little bit less pronounced. Uh, so I hope that happens. Uh, what I, I think there will be some sort of map changes, but I hope that in addition that that is part of it. Uh, I think the map is a bit too figured out right now. Um, it would be cool to have the safe areas in quotation marks a little bit less defined. So the triangle areas, it's very obvious when you invade how to ward. It's very obvious how to protect. Um, I think you could spice it up a little bit with different attack routes or slightly less obvious high grounds, especially for the vision. Um, those, like, the spots on the map that are, like, hills with eyes on them, when you attack or defend, they're just a bit too powerful, I feel, for how much information you give uh, when you place those. Mm -hmm. um, then I would like some... Do I think they'll do this? Probably not, but I would like some economy changes to slow the game down a little bit. 
Uh, we already had some in this patch. I think creeps gave more less gold or something. Um, I still think heroes ramp up really fast, especially when they're already ramp up heroes like Iocor, Alchemist. Uh, Battle Fury needs a nerf. I think it's getting one. Uh, yeah, you've probably. noticed this placed on this patch that ramping is just really powerful. So a lot of things just play on ramp. Um, All right. Well, you put in why... you put in some hopes and dreams. So I'm gonna finish mm -hmm. with my hope and dream. Two things: okay. the fountain gets buffed in some meaningful way. Okay. <laughs> Here so we fucking go again. Every again, patch. Same Ice Frog, shit. Ice Frog. Okay. I know you watch this. Okay. Ice Frog. <laughs> just stop listening to everything Cinderin says because we both know that you're a sadist at the end of the day. You enjoy people's pain. You've seen all these <clears throat> videos of non-pros getting stomped, sitting in their fucking fountain, waiting to die, and having to extend the game for 30 more minutes. So here's my list of hopes and dreams for Dota. Buff the fountain in some way. You can give it, uh, I mean, they gave it kind of the Ursa thing, right? Give it multi-shot. Oh, here's a here's a concept. Make it deeper so I can actually fucking hide from the people that are farming me all, all the time. How about that? Or the most important one, add a fucking concede feature. It's 2021. It's time to get concede in Dota. It's 2021. It's time to give up. It's, <laughs> after the year that we've had with Corona, give us a fucking concede. <laughs> to give up. Please. For God's sake, just add it. It's not difficult. Every other game has one. Yes, there's abuses. Uh, I understand. But it's for the betterment of our community to be able to give up when the game's fucking over instead of waiting 30 minutes while they destroy me left and right. Okay. So um, that brings us, unless you have more. Yeah. No, I, I, was, I was just looking. I think, do you want to quickly go over? So we both think Hoodwink is getting Ag, Scepter, and Shard, right? We both think 100%. it's getting that and it's getting into CM. I think so too. What scepter or shard do you think, if you had to guess, not what you want, but what do you think the hero will get based we on? There was a bit of artwork leaked, right? There was like a quiver. Yeah, we talked about and, this. The boomerang. Yeah, right. Which one do you think is the scepter and the shard, and what do you think they're going to do? I have no idea. We talked about what our hopes I mean, and dreams neither, were for. I, I, you're putting me on the spot. This is supposed to be in the well, outline in advance, Cinderin. All right. No, but you okay. do this with me sometimes, and then I just need to think. And you're like, you're not thinking fast. That's true. actually that I'm reminds sure me. I should have said this at the beginning. The outline this week for episode 100 coming up will be available to everyone. Very exciting stuff. Usually, it's only for our top two tiers. So if you go to Patreon.com/slash/Dota Dota Cinema, Patreon.com/slash/We Say Things, everyone will be able to see the outline uh, when I post it after this stream. So enjoy. Uh, in terms of the ags for, hmm. yeah, I mean, I played the hero one time, and so it's not my kind of hero. Hmm. You tell me what you think the hero needs. Uh, it's not about what it needs. It's about what the artwork implies. If we're, let's say we just believe that these two pieces of artwork are Hoodwinks, Ags, and Scepter, right? Okay. Uh, Shard and Scepter. So one of them is a boomerang, and the other one is a quiver. Mm -hmm. what, could, what could a quiver even be on this? I think the boomerang is more obvious, right? The boomerang is probably the scepter. It gives you a new ability where you can throw out a boomerang that in some way interacts with probably trees. 
uh, I could see that being some sort of a synergy where it like I could see it be something where you throw it on the ground and then you can retrieve it later. Like it does something if it hits people on the way back or I don't know something like that. Also, it lands and you have to pick it up. That would be kind of that's yeah. usually then you're pretty bad with a boomerang. It usually is supposed to come back. That's true, and that's all the artwork so, they had though. I mean, that's your kind of but skill. But that would be funny. Like that's Hoodwork, a League of Legends Hoodwork, skill, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. A, her access that you get the boomerang. She doesn't fucking know how to use it. That would actually be really funny. You smoke in the enemy fountain, you place your boomerang, you TP back to base, you retrieve it, and the boomerang just comes all the way globally and kills everything on the way. I think we need that in Dota. Yes, very good. Okay. Um, okay, that was a failed conversation. I'm sorry. Thanks for I, attempting that, Cinder. I, I really it. don't have any idea for the quiver. That's why I was curious. The boomerang, I feel like, is more obvious I if mean, it's the thing. What the fuck is a quiver on Hoodwink? I feel like if I played the hero a bunch, I'd have a better idea. I could give you Ags ideas for every single hero in the game, probably, except for a few that I just don't play. Uh, right. Hoodwink I'm the least familiar with, because I barely see it in okay. pubs. Everybody thinks it needs a buff. So I think the Ags and the Shard will be essentially the buff for the most part. Uh, okay, that brings us to the end of episode 99 of We Say Things. Episode 100 will be next week, where we will discuss the new patch, as well as in Bruges. Whether Cinder and Watcher. What a fucking episode. And if he if he watched it, we will discuss the movie in its entirety and how we both love it very, very much. So thanks for watching. It will friends. replace the NBA segment. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if we'll have an NBA segment. We'll see. Until next time, Suns fan Cindrin signing out. Goodbye. Bye. Subscribe. We say things that don't mean anything. But thanks for listening.